Welcome to the Social Media Love Podcast, where you will discover how to get more clients on social media with proven social selling strategies. And now, your host, social media marketing coach, influencer, speaker, and founder of Social Media Love, Angelique Benet. Social media, love it or hate it? In a world where the average daily screen time is almost seven hours a day, including social media, how can women entrepreneurs get a piece of this marketplace and finally fall in love with their fear of becoming visible, i.e. sharing their voice, ideas, stories, irresistible lucrative offers, beliefs, leadership and expertise with a community of like-minded individuals in a way that feels good, genuine and healthy. This show is exactly about this via storytelling, interviews and social media marketing tutorials. Every week we add a piece to the puzzle. Welcome to Social Media Love Show and welcome to the conversation. Welcome to the real story behind our business with Charlotte Nicholson today all the way from Europe. Uh, thank you for coming and joining us. If you are new to this show, this show is really meant for you watching. If you've been hesitant, you know, sharing of who you are as a woman entrepreneur, sharing the story, how much of my personal story should I share to kind of promote my business? This is the show because you're going to hear Charlotte and the juicy stories she's going to share with us. Uh, the reason why she's such a gem as a woman entrepreneur. And this is why we do that show. Thank you, Charlotte, for being here. Uh, tell us where you're talking to us from. So I'm in the Netherlands, in a little um, a little city down in the south called Breda. Awesome. So, Charlotte, before we start into the story, tell us what is your business and who do you serve? Absolutely. Yeah. So I am a transition acceleration coach. So anyone going through change absolutely knows how unsettling it can be. And I really help people get results and also find balance when it comes to any great change. So it can be a change of job, it can be a global change, so predominantly expats, um, or it can just be something simple in your life that's changing. But anything that sort of disrupts the general pattern is where I come in. Oh, it's right on point for the era that we are living in. Isn't it just? Isn't it just? Yeah, I mean, COVID, <laughs> I think we all experienced a lot of change then. Yeah, I love it. So if you don't know me, I'm Ajibini. I'm the founder of Social Media Love, and I speak to you from Canada. So we have, imagine a beautiful bridge going across the Atlantic. I love it. And if you are just starting sharing your story and you're not sure where to start, I have a guide. I always forget to talk about it. So now I talk about it at the beginning. I'm going to put the link around the video. It's a guide that's going to help you give you prompts about what should I be talking about. And sometimes we're too busy to think about where we come from. What did we do? Who did we meet that changed our life and shape? and form the services that we are offering to help other people to transform their life and you are a transformer as well charlotte so let's start with the beginning what was a little charlotte like when she was seven and ten what was the big things you were doing every day and that you now looking back you feel that really shaped who you became yeah so i'm i'm one of four four girls i'm the eldest um and i always felt this strong sense of responsibility and i think what i was doing at that age is in the uk there was a television program called blue peter 
I'm not sure if you know it at all, but they used to always teach you how to make things. And so oh, I used okay. to work in Blue oh, Peter, yeah. collecting the loo rolls around the house. And then I would lay the kitchen table with all the crafting things that we needed. And I would teach my sisters whatever I'd seen on TV. So let's say I was um, I was an instructor or a teacher from a very, very early age. <laughs> I love it. With a, a DYI thing, you know, right? Like you were it's gathering... Yeah, arts and crafts and creative stuff made out of basically recycled stuff from home. Um, but that's sort of, if I wasn't riding a horse, that was pretty much what I was doing. Do you still have that role with your sisters? To be the one, the leader? Do you, I've lived abroad for 24 years. So I think, I think number two and three have stepped more into that just because I haven't been around. Um, but it's still very much a role in my coaching. Wow, so I, I yeah. went to corporate training and so it's funny that something that I really enjoyed at home when I was tiny has come back into my life and I, I remember at the age of 20 when I was trying to decide what I was going to do after uni um, I did go and speak to different people who worked in training and somehow I was put off I don't know what they must have said to me but I was put off and it's just amazing that actually in my coaching now it opened the door to get back into corporate training and yeah. so uh, I've ended back in a place that I could have probably started at the age of 20 had I continued down that path. That's interesting. Tell, so tell me more about that. You know, what was the, before you decided to go back to your initial, you know, you, what was the most burning desire before you starting to do your own practice? Oh, burning, burning was event management. <laughs> because I love, I absolutely love parties. So for me, it was the arranging them, the decorating, the planning. So think back to my arts and crafts. It's a little bit sort of the whole preparation side I absolutely love. So I studied hotel and restaurant management and anything to do with customer service, uh, care, events, planning, organization was my happy place. Okay. And, and I really started off there. And my one of my first jobs was at Christie's. Christie's, well, yeah, Christie's Mason and Wood. So it was a big auction house in London. And, um, and I was an administrator in the 19th century furniture department, which they sold me was in a way like running an event. <laughs> it's not quite the same as running an event. But anyway, I signed up. And that was my first ever job. And it really led me into coaching in a very roundabout way. Uh, are you happy for me to share that story? Yeah, yeah. Tell me more about that because, like, I see um, Chris is like with the the mallet, you exactly. know, sold. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you know that the part that I loved the most was being on the phones, so doing the the phone side of the bidding, and I could do it in English and French. Um, so you had people on the phone saying, "Yes, I want to pay a hundred thousand for that." So you're there, say, "Yeah, a hundred thousand here," and then you've got somebody with a counter offer. So that was really exciting, um, and that was probably the part of the job that I liked the most. How did <laughs> you do that on the phone, Charlotte? Like you have multiple phone? No, 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 no. You so you're each assigned one client. Okay, and so one okay. bid, and then, um, and you kept you you keep telling your client what's going on. Okay, there's been a oh, okay. And so there's a whole line of us that are live in the room on the phones. Um, and occasionally it can be people in the room that are on the phones, but they don't want to be known to be the person bidding. It's a very, very, very different world. <laughs> but it was fun. You know, you say different, but hey, listen to the, the picture first. 
storytelling is about picture and i don't know about you watching the replay here like i had all the pictures of that row of people with phones fitting like amazing but you know what it made me think of marketing we are all coaches like bidding like promoting it's our beautiful services and everybody's bidding on us right who's gonna win it's marketing now there's so much competition out there absolutely i know it's just i had that that comparison i was seeing your row of, of people and bidding bidding and it's gonna it looks like like our world that so many coaches and consultants are coming in with their own stories and the, their own skills and competencies to be i love it thank you for sharing this so what happened like what did it bring to you like the coaching in there what was well, yeah that's that's the curious piece angelique <laughs> is that um they had a wellness week for the staff which actually they still do now and this was like 25 years ago when I was there maybe 20 years ago um and they brought in different people so there was a reflexologist a masseuse a nutritionalist and you could sign up to 15 minutes with any of them so I signed up with for reflexology I had no idea what it was I wanted to experience it and sadly it seemed like the rest of Christie's had signed up with reflexology so they didn't have any space and they said you can speak to a nutritionalist now, I don't eat any vegetables, so I clearly did not want to speak to a nutritionist at all. I was there thinking, oh, my goodness, no. I mean, how am I going to explain to them that I don't eat half of the good stuff? Um, but actually, this nutritionist changed my life because I said to her, look, Kate, I'm not sure how much we're going to have to talk about <laughs> because of my diet. Um, and she goes, well, don't worry, I'm also a life coach. And I thought, oh, that's really curious, because the Christmas before, my mum had just given me my first ever coaching book by a lady called Fiona, Fiona Harold. I don't know if you know the book. It was called The 10-Minute no. Coach. And okay. I was absolutely gripped. So when Kate, who is this nutritionist, Ted told me she was a knife coach, I started to know a little bit about her. Um, and she was just brilliant. She asked me lots of questions. And by the end of our 15 minutes, I basically said to her, well, I'd love to be coached by you. So she got a client at the end and she changed my life. She absolutely changed my life. Um, and I left Christie's. I became a full-time salsa dancer. I moved to Spain. My whole life changed from, let's say, conventional and fitting other people's expectations to suddenly living my dream, my life, regardless of what other people thought. And that was really thanks to Kate, Kate, this, the life, life coach nutritionalist. Um, and yeah, it took my life in a totally different direction. And I lived a brilliant five years. And then when I returned to the UK, I was lost a little bit again, um, having returned from my wonderful life in Spain. I went and saw her again. and. Um, by the time we finished our sessions, I just knew that I had to become a coach as well because I just loved what she was able to do for me. And I wanted to be able to do the same for others. So it's from that moment on, I then did my first coach training, which was in 2010. So yeah, 12 years ago. Wow. So let's stay there, if you, if you don't mind. Let's go back to the 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, um, what what in what happened like do you remember what she said or the thing that really triggered you that like this this is it do you know i think it was the questions um 
the difference when you speak to somebody who's not a coach is they tend to have an agenda, even if it's a bit of a subconscious agenda. And very quickly, the conversation turns about them, even if it's not intentional. Oh, yes, that happened to me. And suddenly the conversation is no longer about you anymore. It's about their story and how what you've just said triggers a memory in them. And you go off on a different tangent. Um, and what was great with Kate was that it really was all about me. So I had somebody who was fully focused in getting to the root cause of my thinking and kept kept sort of digging a little bit further with that curiosity, with that interest. And it makes you feel incredibly special. It makes you think deeper than you'd ever be challenged before, because again, people don't tend to dig that profoundly because very quickly it goes back onto them. So that that really captured me and she managed to unlock some things in me that I was there thinking, well, I think I want a bit more of this. This is this is really interesting stuff. Awesome. So and then you had your business. So how much of that transformation you went through, uh, guided by that woman, led to having your own business and, you know, the struggle that you may have to go through? Like, can you tell us more about, you know, the, the wow effect and how what happened when you land and you make it happen for you? Yeah. Um, so there was actually, there's there's an actually sort of a much larger piece to the puzzle. So I, I sort of stopped working with Kate because we'd done our work. Um, I then met my husband and I moved yet to another country, which sort of destabilizes everything. And I moved slightly away from the coaching, came back to Europe, to the Netherlands. And there was another lunch and learn. And there, there was a coach who again blew my mind and reminded me that this is what I loved to do. And on the same day that he came for the lunch and learn, I resigned because it was just clear that I needed to go back into coaching and I wanted to retrain because you lose a network if you're not, if you're not in it anymore for 10 years. And so it was from that moment on, which was about three years ago, that I went full on. So I went and signed up with the Institute of Professional Excellence in Coaching, which is called IPEC, is one of the most biggest known schools as well. Um, also certified by the ICF, so the International Coaching Federation, which, which was important because it sort of regulates the coaches. It's not like a weekend course. If you go through an ICF a sort of certified course, then it shows a level of proficiency and professionalism as well. So that was really crucial. But you were asking me about what, what the greatest challenges are. And I think truly you are underprepared when you leave these co coaching schools to the amount of time that you spend doing the business, the business development side. So they train you brilliantly as a coach. But there's a big missing piece in terms of the marketing, selling your story, um, how to close a call, how to close a sale, how to promote yourself not easy you know you're good at what you do but it's especially if you're British you're not necessarily going to toot your horn saying oh I'm amazing come to me <laughs> it's just culturally it's not really done um and that's a big missing piece and it was probably the most challenging part um of starting a business interesting so how, tell me more about um you know and, and that's what we go oh, British or not we all go through this right the when it's time to show up and then uh, realize that it's not about you, but it's about the people you help, right? But it takes 
it takes uh, that bridge that you need to be on. So tell me more about how, because you have, you are a coach, you are surrounded by amazing coaches that you, that seems to show up each time you need them in your life when you hit the new phase. So tell me what was mindset wise, what did you have to learn or unlearn to become visible to your clients, the mm. one who are looking for you, whether it's online or not, actually? Yeah, I think my biggest learning, and this is going to sound quite profound, but it really is the biggest learning, is that you are the solution to your problems. So you need to be the solution. And I think the other thing that I learned is that the way somebody else has grown their business, first of all, is not the only way. And secondly, might not work for you. So often these sort of business coaches have been successful and they want to teach you exactly their methodology. But in tech, you know, it might not work for you authentically or it might not sit at all well with you and you feel you failed when actually, no, you just haven't found your way. You've been trying to follow somebody else and that doesn't necessarily lead to the same results. And yeah. that was a harsh learning. That was a harsh learning um, to sort of, not always rely on other people to know better what's important for you and what's authentic to you and what's going to attract the clients that you're looking for as well. Tell me more about when you say you are the problem and you are the solution. What, what, how does it shape in your, in your business, for example? Yeah. How did you... I, I think how it shapes is that often when you go out alone, you have a couple of sex successes, if you're lucky, and that builds confidence. And confidence then breeds more confidence and it goes on a bit of a roll. However, at some point, occasionally you get somebody saying no, or you get a company turning you down. And that, that can really affect your morale. It can then start affecting your confidence. It can then make you less um, assertive to go and put yourself back out there for, a possible next no. So it makes you start to doubt yourself. And that's when imposter syndrome comes to, comes comes in. Um, and it becomes a bit of a vicious cycle. Now, what I learned is that you can't expect everyone to say yes. And often it's got nothing to do with you, um, especially if you work in corporate. Maybe they don't have a budget. Maybe um, they still haven't fully understood what coaching's all about. Maybe... Um, they have enough coaches, who knows? But often we make it about ourselves. And actually, it's got nothing to do with us. I know. And, and so that was a really, really big learning to not take things personally. Um, that it might, it's, it's just a not now. I can't do it now. And the no, Rich Lipfin is a, is a coach that I really admire as well. You probably know him from the book, The Prosperous Coach. Mm-hmm. So he says that no just means next opportunity. And once I started looking at that, I was there thinking, actually, I mean, that's okay. We just move on, isn't it? So hence why you have to be the solution to your own problem. So if you are creating this insecurity in yourself because you're taking these no's to, to mean something about you, not being good enough, not, not you know, being salesy enough, not being able to pitch yourself, um, not being confident enough, nobody's able to change that easily in you until you start doing the work 
and start really digging into your thoughts, the beliefs behind your thoughts and wanting to change. So hence why don't expect somebody else. It's very easy to sort of rate yourself through your successes that other people reflect back on you. But the reality is, is that maybe nobody's going to pat you on the back, but you need to be able to know that you're doing the best that you can. And that's good enough. You don't you don't need the affirmation. That's tough. That is. I know that you're saying. I hope everybody's taking notes because this is the core of business. This is the core of marketing. This what you just explained when you stop making making it mean something about you. Because no, it's not easy. Of course, no, no. But the way you the way you explain it, it's so interesting. And the inner work that it takes to be able to, you know, to be able to say um, whatever you think about me, I don't mind because I know inside that I can help people, and this is why I'm here. Yeah, we're 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 maybe not meant to work together. That's okay. Good luck. I love you. But yeah, oh my god. It was, you were such a good teacher. <laughs> Blue Peter. We need to thank Blue Peter for that. Age seven. <laughs> this is really um, so true. So, so, so true. So for you, what was your, your? Um, I mean, you know, when you hit those waves of uncertainty and doubts, what was, how did you uh, uh, navigate that? What was your big... Um, Thing where even sometimes you may go back there because it's kind of an on, ongoing life learning about you know a stop listening to our ego, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and move forward with our soul, right? So, um, how what's your technique or tactic? Not tactic, I don't like the word tactic, but what is your tool, your inner tool? And um, let me tell you, I'm still a work in progress, <laughs> absolutely a work in progress. And um, I think the thing that's that's helped me the most, um, and I'm going to share somebody else's um, um, work, is Shazad Shamin works with positive intelligence. And so he talks about having two sides of your brain. You've got the saboteur side and you've got the sage side. So when you start doubting yourself, when you start criticizing yourself, when you start victimizing yourself thinking oh you know of course they don't want me because I'm useless you know why would anyone want what I'm offering so you start this narrative in your head those are your inner saboteurs and what you need to do is master the the technique of quietening them down now they never go away (laughs) they're always there that inner judge that inner perfectionist you know they're always there but it's about noticing them and paying a little bit less attention and then redirecting your mind to things that are actually going to lead you to the results that you're wanting. So this really helps me enormously. So when the self-doubt comes in, I can then say to myself, oh, look, there's my inner judge. Oh, look, there's my controller again, wanting to take over the situation. And you do like a mini meditation. So it's called a PQ rep. And it's just about commanding your mind to come back to the present rather than trying to replay the past and making yourself feel guilty about it. So it's about constantly bringing yourself back. And that can be done really easily. It can literally just be done with a breathing technique. Can we do it? Yeah. Can we do it together? Yes. 
Let's do it. Absolutely. I mean, if you just take what what I love is box breathing. Okay, I'll follow you. So you breathe in for four, you hold for four, you breathe out for four, you hold for four. Okay. And you do it for three times and suddenly you feel incredibly relaxed. Okay. And you're no longer spinning your wheels with, oh, I'm rubbish. No wonder they told me no. You know, what what is it about me? Whatever it is that you're saying to yourself that gets you sort of, in a way, negative thinking, you stop that immediately. You say, oh, look, that's curious. My judge has come to town here. And then you breathe. Okay, let's do that. Do, Do you close your eyes or not? But do you do? I, I, I do. Like to do. Okay, <laughs> I let's do. close our eyes. I then follow your voice. You're not distracted. I trust you. <laughs> I follow you. So let's let's close our eyes then. Okay, so we breathe in for four. And you hold for four. Breathe out for four. Hold for four. And you just do it again. So you breathe in. You hold. You breathe out. You hold, and then one last time you breathe in, you hold, you breathe out, you hold. How do you feel? Uh, it's yummy. It's like really literally yummy, right? It feels- it, it's not part of his technique, but you, you, he has other breathing exercises, but this yeah. one I think is really efficient. Because yeah. too, often we just breathe without paying attention or we breathe quickly. I know when I'm stressed, I feel it all here. My tr- my chest seems to compress and my throat seems to totally tighten. Um, and the only way to release that is actually sort of rolling your shoulders back and then doing what I what, box breathing. And then you just remember. Thank you. Thank you so much. I want to share something with you, Charlotte, because I think it's... Uh, we're year number two with the podcast and the video uh, interviewing wonderful women like you. And we always go back to the inner work. We talk about business, visibility, marketing, and each of every one of us, women entrepreneurs, always go back to what it takes inner, inner inward to grow a business. And is that a thing with women or is it, what do you think on that? Like, why is it, always going back like for me now i said very clearly building a business is building me as a person because there, i didn't know about the inner work that i was always into inner work but not to that depth of work mm. what's your perspective on this is that something you notice for other women entrepreneurs around you a lot um a lot of women entrepreneurs um strangely enough the, the men that i know I'm sure they have self-doubt, but they, they they seem to sort of be able to silence it more. Or there's just this inner confidence that just keeps them going. Um, but I think it's they don't necessarily overthink. I think for us, we're quite emotional beings. So we overthink the implement, implication that it might have on others. How might it be seen by others? So judgment is something that always plays in our minds. So I, I wouldn't want to say that women are sort of more susceptible to that sort of not inner turmoil, but those inner thoughts going on. Um, but I, it is what I've seen in terms of even within my my sort of network. Yeah. that there's a bit more self-doubt. There's a little bit more. I mean, maybe we've got more to juggle. 
mean, if I think about it, there's there's um there's something on Facebook that I saw, but I, I think the difference, and I'm going to be pretty sexist about this, is that um, let's just talk about me. I'm an entrepreneur, but I'm also a mum. And, you know, I take my kids to school every day. I work whilst they're at school. I then bring them home. I do the shopping. I do the cleaning. I do the laundry. I do the cooking. So there's a whole load that is happening that is being juggled exactly at the same time while start trying to sort of be creative, being innovative, coming up with different ideas. And that requires a lot of mental energy because you mustn't leave your children in the playground. You've got to remember to pick them up. You've got to remember that there needs to be food in the fridge. And at the same time, you need to come up with a product that you can offer to people that they actually really want. So I think no wonder we've got a lot that we're, we've got going on in our heads. Whereas if I look at my, my father was an entrepreneur. He had the luck that his wife carried all of that. And he rocked up dinner was on the table, kids were in their pyjamas, he did the nice bit, the storytelling and, and the kiss before bed. Um, and then he could be the husband at the end of the day or work or anything else. So there's a large part that was taken away. Now, I know in the Netherlands, at least, and I just talk about the Netherlands because that's where we are at the moment, the, the husbands are incredibly implicated. So they only work, often they work four days a week. And there's one day, which is a daddy day, and then the mums take a day off and that's a mummy day who does everything. And then the grandparents are also sort of very community feel. But I do wonder whether that plays a little bit into it, Angelique, is that we are still trying to do so much um, and try not to let any balls drop and stay relatively sane. It's not easy at times. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. I love that you you yeah, you make it very practical. This is a day in my life. And yeah, yeah, I love it. Thank you for sharing this. And thank well, you for being here. There's a there's a lot of us that are needing to juggle all of that. Oh yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah. And um can, can I just add something? I think what happens is that if you put too much focus in one area, so you put too much focus on the business. Let's say you put 100% of yourself on the business. You don't have 100% to put everywhere else. So then your kids lose out. You know, either they're not getting much time with you or you're not putting them to bed because you've got an 8 p.m. call with a client. And so it impacts other people. Mm -hmm. And that then makes you feel guilty saying, oh, my goodness, I'm not a good mom. Or my goodness, I really need to give more time to my children. But how do I find time for my business? And that's when your brain starts going in overdrive. Yeah. Um, and you know you, your judge is playing in, so those inner saboteurs. And once they take over, then the self doubt comes in. And then asking for help is a big deal for us. You know that's something I've been working on, asking for help. Yeah. But it's not like and like it's a new habit. It's a new paradigm, right? It is. It it is. is. There's something that I've recently learnt. Um, and you're going to say, why have you only just learned this now? But actually, I think I just misunderstood the difference between endurance and resilience. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah, this is really, really interesting. Because I would have said that actually, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably quite good at both. <laughs> I would have said so. But actually, there's a huge difference. So endurance 
means that you're giving it all. You have a race of 10 miles. You put 150% of yourself in it. By the end of the race, you should have nothing left in you because you've given it all. If you've still got enough, you know, another five miles that you could still run, then you haven't given it all. But what happens at the end of that race is you are exhausted and you're good to nobody because you've, you've literally emptied everything you've got. Resilience, and this is where it's a crucial learning for me, is knowing what you're capable of, knowing when 80% is good enough, knowing when you need to take a rest so that you can then turn up the dial afterwards. So it's really about balance. And I really confuse the two of them, especially let's say at the beginning of COVID, I was burning the candle at two or three different ends, even if there were three ends, all of them were burning. Um, and I was absolutely exhausted because there was nothing else. And resilience is about taking breaks. It's about resting. It's about asking for help. And it's not seen as weakness, but if you drain your battery so much, then it's gonna take a while for that battery to rebuild itself up. Whereas each time your battery drains a little bit, you notice it because you know what the, the triggers are in your body maybe, you then say, Ooh, Oh, I think I've lost you. No, no, I'm here. You're still here. I don't see yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, here. I'm here. But I think what's important is that when that battery's totally drained, it takes much longer to get up and running. Whereas mm -hmm. if you're able to sort of, the dra battery drains a little bit, you're there thinking, oh, I'm feeling a bit tired. I'm going to take a rest. Or I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to take a walk. Um, then you're able to recharge your battery and then you've got more to give to other people and you never get to that point of total exhaustion where it takes you longer to get back up and running. I love these examples you give. I'm taking note myself. Yeah. yeah. And so how how do you apply that to do you like the 80 like do you do you have like a I like to share if you don't mind maybe daily habits you have or things you put in place that are non-negotiable. <laughs> yeah the not the non-negotiable is um it's a walk. So it's the walk and it's the PQ reps. Um, so the positive intelligence sort of basically mindfulness breaks. Um, but if I don't take a walk before I start work, then I literally don't have a commute. <laughs> like a lot of us, if we work from home, we drop our kids, we come straight home um, and then our life starts. Um, often we find that we work through lunch and you never take a break. So I now walk first thing in the morning. I walk at lunchtime and I try and walk before I pick up the kids so that there's that moment of switch off. And I keep challenging myself to do those 10,000 steps that have been highly recommended. It's actually really hard to do 10,000 oh. steps when you work full time and you're a mum the rest of the time and there is still a wife part as well. But my ambition is just to be mindful of that and the difference that it makes. And most of my creativity and my ideas comes when I'm walking because you're you're out of the mayhem of of the house or of your office space you can't get on with your to-do list because it's not there with you so I find yeah I find creativity and innovation really comes from those moments of calm wow thank you so much for sharing this so you're so wise and and it's easy things I mean, not easy, simple things we can do. Nobody, 
can say that it requires money or anything. Just make it happen. And yeah, that's and where... What I love is that it doesn't need to be long. So you can, if you've only got two minutes, then go outside, walk up the street and back again. You've got two minutes. And if you've got 20 minutes, great, walk around the block. If you've got half an hour, go to the woods. So I, I think what I used to always have an excuse is I don't have the time. Well, you do. <laughs> that's a mindset. <laughs> that's a mindset. Now, you might not have the time for a two-hour walk. That's fine. But you still have the time to go outside your house and take a breath of fresh air outside and then come back in and work. Yeah. And once you started this, so you asked me about, about habits. I think what the, one of my greatest learnings is that I used to always wait for motivation to hit before doing anything. You can wait an awfully long time because actually what happens is that action precedes motivation. So you need to start something. And once you've got that ball rolling, that momentum rolling, then motivation kicks in. So I've got, I've got a massive job. I've got to empty my attic. Nobody wants to do that. I mean, it's so overwhelming if you've not unpacked stuff for an awfully long time. And so it seems you know, monumentous as a task. So you put it off and you become basically a professional procrastinator. Whereas if you say to yourself, I'm gonna do 10 minutes, and you set the alarm for 10 minutes. Now, 10 minutes is possible. You don't, you don't need a huge amount of motivation to do 10 minutes. So you just, or you say, I'm going to do one box. And what's incredible is that, you know, you start, you start doing it. The alarm goes off after 10 minutes. And then you can ask, do I want to continue? And I'd imagine 90% of the time, maybe even more, you will continue because the momentum is going. And so that's been really that's been really key in my business as well. Don't wait for motivation because you could be waiting your lifetime. <laughs> Take action, even if it's minuscule action, just to get that ball rolling and then see how you feel. Maybe you want to continue and maybe you want to do something totally different. And that's OK. That's totally OK. I love it. Thank you for mixing all the examples from personal to business because it's all intertwined, right? I yes. love it. Thank you so much. Tell me more about, you know, I, I have questions around um, the first time you, so when you put your put in place your coaching practice and then you realize the first moment where you realize the biggest payoff for you that you were arrived at the at the harbor like this is the life you want do you remember that day where you said to yourself this is it this is really that that was the do you know it was before my coaching business it was in that lunch and learn when this brilliant coach came and he was talking I can't even remember what he was talking about but I just knew that actually that was the life that I wanted I wanted to be up where he was and I wanted to be a coach again so it was that was the really pivotal moment um, and resigning from my job because I could have probably done it alongside my job. But I knew that actually I needed to be 100 percent in. I needed to be in with two feet um, and, and fully engaged and fully passionate about it. And so that was the pivotal point when I <laughs> quit my job and went full time into coach training and, and coaching clients already. How did it feel in your body? Do you remember when you knew that you would resign a minute later? <laughs> yeah. Do you know that I'm I'm I can be quite um spontaneous. 
And once I know it's right, then nothing will get in my way. And what's incredible is when I'm unsure, then I will literally teeter around um, and not make any decision. And so there, I think there have been two or three moments in my life where I had that immense clarity. And I know that I have to follow that. And I just need to keep looking for that, keep looking for the signs, keep looking for the feelings. And then I know I'm on the right path. And once I know I'm on the right path, as I said, I'm, I'm unstoppable <laughs> because anyone can sort of say, look, really, is that such a good idea? And I don't hear it, it doesn't affect me anymore. It doesn't get into that, that saboteur thinking because I'm just so clear in my direction that you can't, you can't take me off course. And that's really crucial for me. Wow. So one tip you could share before we wrap up. How do you suggest to someone who's like, well, you say clarity, you say like, how, what is the one thing I could try to see if I'm clear enough? Or what, what would you advise to, how do you know that you're clear enough? Or how does it feel? Or yeah, what it, advice would you share to someone who's on the edge I think, I think the question that I love is what would you regret more? Having tried and seen where it went or having never tried? That's a big conclusion question. I love it. Thank you so much. You're yeah. such a rock star. Fella. I could have gone in a different direction, but actually truly the question I ask myself, I don't want to live with regrets. You know, I have regrets in my 20s. And I think it's ridiculous. You don't need to live with regrets. But ask yourself, what is crucial to have tried and maybe not quite got there or tried and find it wasn't quite right. But you tried. And you can look back and be really proud of yourself that you gave it a shot. No shame that it wasn't quite right. Love it. Okay, Charlotte. So if people want to learn more about you and what you do and how you help people transform um what's the best way to reach out to you and i know uh we also talked about a bonus that you uh give people who wants to see how they can overcome their own change and uncertainty so i'm gonna put the the link around the video so is that the the way tell us how you want people to reach out to you through that bonus or are there other things you want them to do no no so you, you I've, I've got a it's about a 40 minute training on the five proven ways for confidently overcoming change and uncertainty. So this is something I'm really passionate about having gone through a lot myself. So you're absolutely welcome to enjoy that free training. You can also reach out to me on LinkedIn um, or my website, which is www.nicholsoncoaching.co.uk. Awesome. Thank you so much. Anything else I should have asked you that I didn't and you want to share with us? No, I've loved this. <laughs> You've asked me a lot. I, I mean, I could go on for days, but <laughs> I know it's always like that. It's just amazing to take the time to reflect on how where we're coming from and where we're heading on and how to share that energy with others because we are different stage. Everybody's different, right? And uh, I'm sure that if you if you hear the podcast or watch the video, please let us know in the comments what really fired you up or Tell us, you know, what really triggered you because um, it's just lovely for Charlotte to know how more of that side of the story is big for people, right? So thank you so much, Charlotte. 
vulnerability and truly not being scared to share because we're all going through the same things. We've all got the same uncertainties, but often we just don't share them. So we think we're alone. And once we've been able to sort of say something, it's amazing how many of people close to you are gonna say, do you know, I felt the same. And that, that makes you stand taller, that you realize that you're not alone. Yeah, which made me think of one thing and I'm going to disappear, but I'm going to be, I'm going to be there. I just want to put you on the screen, but could you share with our audience, you know, maybe three tips on how you work on your visibility, like online, because you, you're online. And so maybe three things you would like to share with someone who is not there yet. And what to, would you say to them? So I think the main thing is do what feels good. I remember somebody told me I had to do Facebook lives. I was panicked, sweating, <laughs> and I felt forced to do it. Um, now, did I do it? Yes. Did I get more comfortable with it? Absolutely, yes. Um, but I think greatest tip is, is really do things that where you shine. Um, so Facebook Lives, in the end, I stopped doing. I did them for a year and I stopped. But where I feel I shine is in corporate trainings and in trainings. I get really excited about that. And I feel comfortable because I prepared my material. I know what I'm going to say. And I love bringing people in as well. So I, my visibility is on LinkedIn. So on social media, I post Mondays to, fr to Fridays. That makes a big difference. Um, I do corporate trainings and the um, recommendations. I also post on social media. And I can also run Facebook and LinkedIn events. So that's where I can bring trainings in. But I wish somebody had told me three years ago, if you're not comfortable doing Facebook Lives, if you're not comfortable doing trainings, then don't do them. Find a different avenue, find a different route. Maybe you're brilliant at writing. Write, write to people's pain points, write to what you can do to help them. But uh, that, that's really my biggest learning is, is follow your path and check in with yourself whether you're doing it for you or whether you're doing it because somebody told you that that's what you needed to do and whether that sits well with you or not. Wow, thank you so much. So when you say training, like you you do workshops online or how does that work? Both. Yeah, Both. Oh. I mean, for the last six months, I've been back in, back in, I was going to say back in the office, but back in other people's offices, basically. Yeah, I've been back in the conference room and that's yeah. been great. But otherwise, it's been it's been online for the last two years. And I've loved it. I didn't think that I was going to love the online, but I really did. So it's try, try different things. If Facebook Live's your, your game, brilliant. If live trainings are for you, brilliant. If podcasts are for you, great, do it. But I think it's try as many things as possible and then see how you feel. And I do like that you say try and then pick and choose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because any... It does take confidence because I can tell you the first Facebook Live, as I said, I was sweating. I was thinking, ah! um, and then it gets easier. But it's about whether you want to keep trying to make it easier or whether you just want to try a different route. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for all the wisdom. And um, thank you to all of you watching and listening. And please take action. Uh, take Even if you apply 1% of everything Charlotte said, I think you're gonna make a big difference because you're so you're so open on you know how much the inner work matters in everything we do for our businesses, whether it's you know content creation or even product creation, anything we offer the world, right? The energy we put out there. Thank mm -hmm. you.
so much. Okay, so see you soon. And uh, thank you, Charlotte, from the bottom of my heart. You've been listening to the Social Media Love Podcast from Angelique Benet. If you want to grow your product or service business with social media, visit socialmedialoveab.com.